We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Have you ever thought, I have some money, but I want to turn it into more money? Well, one of the ways you could do that is through gambling. But gambling is legal in some states. It's a little dodgy. But online gambling is completely legit, and that is where our sponsor, Booster.com, comes in. B-U-S-R.com slash guilty. They are the official betting partner of the Guilty is Charged podcast, where we'll be having a lot of Chargers-themed bets. Uh, and they want to give you some cash to bet on the Chargers or anybody you want to bet on, whether it's a preseason game or the Super Bowl. They are here for you. So you can use code NFL100FP. Again, that's NFL100FP at BUSR.com slash guilty. And they will match 100% of your first deposit. If you put down $100, they'll put down $100. And suddenly you have $200 to bet on, I don't know, Larry Roundtree prop bets. Anyway, you can go to Booster.com slash guilty. Thanks to them for being the official sports book, and they want to make you money just as I want to see you get money. So go to booster.com slash guilty and use code NFL100FP. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Chargers Analytics with Arjun. And, you know, we had our first preseason game this past Saturday. I was super excited. I was able to go to the game. I got great seats right behind the end zone. And man, it was finally fun to, to see some football in person again, live, like an, in an actual game setting, right? So today, what we're going to do is we're going to just be recapping the preseason uh, week one. Uh, me, Steven, Tyler, and Alex did a whole live stream about like our own thoughts about it. So if you want to really go in more in depth, from like the film and from like the overall uh, team breakdown side, go check that video out. Um, but I'm going to be giving, like I said, more of my analytics based uh, thoughts and like some of the notes I took down. And then I'm going to be previewing what to expect for week two against the Niners. Some of the interesting stats um, I saw with them and then what to expect uh, going into this Sunday's game with the Niners. And we're going to have be having a couple of joint practices which unfortunately I won't be able to see, but I'm excited to see what comes out of it. Staley has said multiple times that the joint practices and the scrimmages within the team um, are going to be what resembles more of a game situation than the actual preseason. 
So these joint practices are going to be pretty important. And the Niners do have a pretty good team on offense and on defense. So without further ado, let's rock. And let's go straight into recapping the game from Saturday against the Rams. Okay, so as you can see here, what we got is the preseason week one team tiers. Um, I put this on my Twitter, but I'm going to be going over what it exactly means, right? So what this is exactly showing is the, uh, every single team's offensive and defensive EPA. So um, you really want to be in this top right quadrant, which it, the Chargers are. Like they're right above average when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, and they're definitely above average uh, when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. So the x-axis, the horizontal axis, is uh, looking at the offensive EPA per play. And the y-axis is the defensive EPA per play. Uh, if you don't uh, know what EPA is, it stands for expected points added. And it is the best way to measure. It's, it is one of the best ways to measure offensive and defensive efficiency. It's basically saying that not all yards are created equal. So if, if an offense gets two, uh, three yards on fourth and two, that produces a higher EPA than three yards in, on, on fourth and seven, right? Because obviously you're converting a first down versus not converting a first down. So that's what EPA does. So just based on the graph, you can see right here that the Chargers are right, right in that top right quadrant, which is good to see. Um, like I said before, above average offense, slightly above average defense. Um, and if you look where, where the Rams are, Rams are kind of like right about average offensively, and they were below average defensively, defensively which is good to see uh, for the Chargers. Now, if we break it down uh, by just looking at the offense, right, uh, the uh, the uh, x-axis is going to be EPA per pass, and the y-axis is going to be EPA per rush. Again, you're going to want to be in that top right quadrant. Chargers, they weren't too bad. Like, they were above average when it came to passing the ball on uh, this past week, and they were below average when it came to rushing the ball. But like I said before, it is better to be in this bottom right quadrant where you're above average passing and below average rushing than to be in this top left quadrant, which is uh, above average rushing, but below average passing. So it's good to see that Chase Daniel Easton stick had a good day throwing the ball. And, you know, we're going to get into some of the pass catchers like Josh Palmer, Ty Tyron Johnson, uh, Guyton, Austin Prohl a little bit later. So again, Chargers did a pretty good job uh, on offense this past, this past uh, weekend. They averaged about like a 0 0.11 EPA per pass, which is good. And they were negative. They had a negative EPA per rush, but most, Mostly every single team, except for the exception of like the Ravens and the Titans, will always have a negative EPA when it comes to the actual season. So I wouldn't really worry too much about the rushing EPA, but the passing EPA, it's great to see that it's uh, above zero, number one, and then above average, number two. Now, how did the Chargers do defensively on Saturday? Well, they actually like watching them in person, they were flying around. It did seem like a lot of the backups and the death players were playing with a ton of energy. Like when I talk about the secondary, Kimon Hall, and John Brandon immediately come to mind as two guys that, you know, made impact plays when their name was called, right? Kimon Hall had the peanut punch that unfortunately the Chargers didn't recover, but John Brandon had that insane one-handed pick in the, in the red zone to finish off, you know, what was a really good goal line stand started by Forrest Merrill's uh, tackle for loss. And honestly, like when I was watching that live and I saw the, the bootleg come around, I, I kind of had uh deja vu from the broncos game winner uh from drew lock where he scrambled out the slot corner like he showed that he was going to go and tackle lock which left the slot receiver open 
Um, so Kimon Hall, I, I think it was Kimon Hall. He did make a play to go and tackle. Um, who was it? It was, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the Rams quarterback. Uh, it, whatever. Um, he made a play to go tackle the quarterback, which left the slot receiver open, but Brandon made a really good play on the ball. It was Duck Hodges. I just remembered. Yeah, he made a really good play on the ball and intercepted Duck Hodges and really stopped the Rams offense there. So Chargers, defensive-wise, right about average when it came to EPA per pass. But I will say that the EPA per pass was skewed just a little bit because the Broncos had an insane day on defense. You know, we saw, if you didn't see Patrick Sertan had a pick six, in his first game, which is not obviously a great site for Charger fans, um, obviously super happy for him. You know, you don't want to really wish bad on any on any, any player, any prospect. So great job for him. But I will say they did skew the average so that it's more right word than it should be. But, you know, it is good to see that the Chargers are um, right about average and they should be getting to above average when they get some of the Chargers back. And uh, they were above average when it came to stopping the run, which is obviously a very good site seeing that Linval Joseph, Justin Jones, Jerry Tillery, and Cortez Broaden all sat out. Uh, so pretty much Christian, Christian Covington was the only projected 53-man roster guy that uh, actually played. And finally, the thing that everyone cares the most about, the offensive line. So we're going to be uh, evaluating it using PFF's grading system. Um, so you can see right the Chargers are right about here. Uh, below average when it came to running – the uh, run blocking grade, which is kind of expected. Like, you know, you can't really run the ball when you don't have your starters in. Um, I thought Rashawn Slater and Brendan Hymas had a couple of good plays. Um, if you go check out Daniel De Jeremiah's Twitter, he put a couple of clips on there where they looked excellent, like in a combo block, getting a field, which is really nice to see. Uh, but they were uh, slightly above average when it came to pass blocking grade. But again, if you look down here, you know, Arizona kind of skews the average down a little bit so I feel like the average would be in this area right here if it wasn't for the Cardinals putrid 13 pass blocking grade like I don't even know how how you could get that low uh, but that's where the Cardinals were okay so we just went over some of the Chargers uh the, like the recap from from yesterday uh this past weekend um I'm going to be sharing my screen again and we are going to go a little bit more in depth also. So uh, these are my post-game thoughts. Um, oops. I, okay. So I said, I thought that special teams were still a mess, which they were, you know, we're not, they had like, I think four penalties on special teams, which is still, you know, really, really bad. Um, I'm going to be getting into this really soon uh, up next. Uh, Staley uses two high safeties. I've talked about this all off season, you know, Staley's going to be showing two high safeties on at least 70 to 80 percent of his plays and when I was watching the safeties on times where I focused on the secondary you know it was Gilman and Outerly and that too high look like just parallel to each other which is a great sign to see and Josh Palmer I mean Buddy had like four catches on the first drive and I was not expecting that and it, it seems like he is the go-to guy for Chase Daniel now if we compare Chase Daniel and Easton Stick I know Easton Stick had a higher passer rating but I'm going to remind you again Passer rating is one of the worst metrics to evaluate a quarterback because, like I said before, it takes into account that three yards are equal on fourth and two and fourth and seven when that is not the case, which is why Chase Daniel had a 0.155 EPA and Easton Stick had a negative 0.024. Now you might look at the box going and be like, he didn't, he didn't have an incompletion. But again, EPA is a proven metric that is 
uh, stable and predictive from year to year, from game to game, and it doesn't fluctuate that much. And again, Chase Daniels' PFF grade was a 63.5, while Easton Six was a 62.8. Now, I included this real quick because I know um, people were talking about the offense line, like Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton didn't have the best games, which I agree didn't look like when I watched the game again that they had some of the best days. But I actually went back and I took a look at where is it? Yeah, I took a look at what um, what happened on the on the Trey Pipkins play. So this is actually the sack on third and eleven. The the first down line is at the forty. Um, so here is this is about like two two point five seconds into the play. And as you can see, there's no pressure that's going on here. Now, obviously, what's going to happen is Pipkins allows this guy to get inside, which forces Stick to scramble outside right, and then Norton lets his block go, and that's how he gets sacked. But in this case, this is where the idea that uh, sacks are a QB stat comes into play. If Stick just throws it to, I, I believe this is either Neighbors or Sokol right here. I, I think it's a Sokol. Um, that's, I mean, he's not. he might not get the first down, but he doesn't take the sack, and they're still generating positive yardage instead of moving back right so you know sometimes you i understand the how easy it is to just blame the offensive line but stick had a guy open he could have hit the dig route uh coming across the middle which it could have been picked off but if he threw it maybe lower and on point they could have got the first down so yes pipkins didn't do a great job of holding his block but at this point in time stick should have got rid of the ball and i don't really think it was all on pipkins and norton for the sack Okay, let's go back to Twitter. So again, that was QB comparison. Um, now let's let's talk about some notable stats I found from the game on Saturday. So the first thing I really loved, and I mentioned this in the in the live stream, on eight first down plays that the Chargers had in the first quarter with their first team offense, Daniel, T. Billy, Palmer, Guyton. The Chargers threw it seven of those eight times. And mind you, the only time they ran the ball was on first and goal. So you can kind of give them a pass for that. It's just showing how aggressive they're going to be. It's showing that they want to be a data-driven team passing. I've talked about it all summer. Passing is more efficient than running. So it's better to pass on early downs and give Justin Herbert easier third down situations. Or you might not even get to third down at all if you pass the ball instead of running the ball. Now, average time to throw, Daniels was 2.32 and Sticks was 2.77. This is more, I would say this is a little more scheme-based, but also Daniel made a couple of checks at the line where he threw like a quick swing pass to T-Billy. He had a quick slant to Josh Palmer. So those are the type of things that we want to see. Um, actually, let me fix that. Yeah, what we need to see from Stick. Um, holding onto the ball too long, you know, you kind of want to bring this number down just a little bit, but again, it could be scheme-based. It could be uh, more on the play caller. Chargers allowed 13 pressures. They forced 10. I No, actually, yeah, it was 10. Sorry, it is 10. I thought I was like, my mind jumbling. They missed nine tackles. I, I heard Brandon Silly talk on the in the press conference like he was happy with their tackling. They did miss nine tackles, which ranked 14th. Um, but, you know, it isn't the worst thing in the world, especially since this is like their first live action tackling in-game. Now, another thing I was super happy about, they went for it on fourth down twice. On fourth and one, and I believe fourth and two and they converted both of them and the great part about the fourth and one was it was on the first drive and they easily could have taken the field goal but Staley decided to go for it um in his press conference he said the director of analytics 
guy is in his ear giving him the probabilities to go for it, to not go for it, which is awesome to hear, which really just shows how forward thinking he is and how progressive this organization hopefully is, is trending towards. Now, let's go on to the Niners. Um, again, this is the preseason. There isn't a ton of stuff to really go into because, you know, it's only one game. So a one game sample size isn't the best thing to always look at. But nonetheless, I got you guys. Let's start off with the obvious, Trey Lance, right? The crown jewel of the Niners draft class traded two firsts to go up and get him. Now, everyone saw, I'm assuming everyone saw that ADR touchdown pass, which is all great. You know, it was awesome to see the arm talent is, is crazy on that guy with the athleticism. But, you know, after that, he didn't really have that good of a day. He only completed four more passes. And he ended up going five for 16, right? And so his EPA per play turned out to be a negative 0.166, which was actually the worst out of any, any quarterback drafted in the first round. So, you know, looking at Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, Fields, and Jones, Lance had the worst day uh, statistically per EPA per play out of all five quarterbacks, which is definitely interesting to see. Um, you know, I don't know if this is going to continue when he plays the Chargers this weekend. But, you know, he didn't really have the best day outside of that ADR completion. But that ADR completion should be in Brandon Staley's mind. And remember, his whole goal in building a too high safety defense is to stop the deep pass. So I, I doubt that we'll see that kind of leak in the secondary, um, which the, the Chiefs had uh, this past weekend. But, you know, this is, it is important to keep note. Uh, so his PF, sorry, uh, Lance's PFF grade was a 49. And he did take four sacks, which brings me to their offensive line because I mentioned in the live stream, I didn't really see too much out of Uchenna Nwosu and Kyler Fackrell. Fackrell, a little more, he did a little bit better than Nwosu, but I felt like Chris Rumpf was really the best edge rusher of the day. Uh, so the Niners O-line actually allowed five sacks last game. They ended up with a 59.2 uh, team pass blocking grade, and they allowed 12 pressures. And Four of them came from Aaron Banks, who is a guard from Notre Dame, who they selected in the second round. So we don't know if Justin Jones, if Jerry Tillery, Cortez Broughton are all going to play. But this is the game for them to really show that, okay, if they're given a one-on-one -on -one matchup, which is what Staley is trying to create. He's trying to create one-on-ones for every single one of his players in the, when they're rushing the passer. If they do get a one-on-one -on -one against this interior offensive line, can they convert? Can they pressure the quarterback? And can they turn those pressures into sacks? And that, to me, is what I'm going to be watching, especially if those three guys play. And obviously, Chenna and Kyler Fackrell are going to be big pieces also. Now, how did the Niners defensive line play? They forced four sacks. Um, Eddie Vanderdose and Jordan Willis were two of the guys who had you know, a couple of the highest grades. Uh, Jordan Willis totaled three pressures. So I would say he's the guy to watch out for. Um, I don't think we're going to see Nick Bosa, D Ford, Ark Armstead, uh, DJ Reed. I don't really think we're going to see those guys just because uh, the Niners injury history is pretty bad and they've already suffered some pretty serious injuries. And Nick Bosa just got cleared literally today, the damn recording, which is Monday. So I really don't think we're going to see any of the top tier edge rushers from the Niners, but nonetheless, it, it is good to see um, the defensive line. Their, their coverage, I was going to talk about it, but I didn't really feel like a, there was too much info on it. You know, they, they only played, you know, like four. Yeah, they only went against Mahomes for like three plays and two dropbacks. So, you know, when you're going against the Chiefs backups, there's nothing really to tell. A couple of their guys, De Demordere, 
Lenore. I don't know if I'm saying that right. He's the guy from Oregon. He was the guy that graded out the best for PFF. Um, again, I don't want to use PFF uh, grading for every single thing, but it is nice to kind of have a baseline um, of what the Niners could look like on paper and some of the stats from last game. And, you know, real quick, if we just want to run through where they where they uh, ranked in the graphs that I showed earlier for the Chargers. Um, so if we go back to the team tiers, they they pretty much had like an above average offense, which is which is kind of inflated by Trey Lance's or below average, slightly below average offense, which is inflated by Trey Lance's ADR pass. They did have a pretty solid defense against the Chiefs um, on Saturday. If we look at their offensive breakdown, if my Okay, there we go. Uh, if we look at their offensive breakdown, yes, like I said, they were below average when it came to passing the ball, above average when it came to rushing the ball. And like I said, this EPA per pass is likely inflated due to the ADR pass by Trey Lance. Um, if we go to their defense, uh, where are, yeah, they're right here. So uh, they were really good when it came to stopping the pass. They didn't necessarily have the great best day stopping the run, but I do believe the Chiefs actually only had 14 no, no, no. That, that's a different team. I'm sorry. So yeah, really good at stopping the pass. Not so good at stopping the run. So hopefully guys like Roundtree, Kelly, we don't know if Justin Jackson is going to play. And then Bradwell uh, should have pretty solid ga uh, games, especially if guys like Matt Filer and Odia Bushi uh, play this weekend. Okay. So again, that's going to bring it, bring us to the end of this episode. So again, we recap the Rams. That's going to be the first part of this video. And then the Rams game from what the Chargers did. That was the first part of the video. The second part of the video is pre previewing what the 49ers looked like in week one and how the Chargers could possibly attack them from the interior pass rush and in the run game with the offense, which is two things I'm probably going to be watching very closely this Sunday. So that's going to wrap it up. I hope you guys enjoyed and make sure to leave any comments for any things you want me to go over in my next preview uh, for week three. And with that, as always, both. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.